Hello, and welcome to Alphabets. Alphabets is an outlet for our inquisitive minds. We can't stop experimenting with technology, and we want to share what we're playing with with you. We're your hosts, Brian and David. Hi, I'm David. I'm the founder of the Rock Code Academy and Continuous Technology Magpie, always looking to learn and expand my knowledge in wonderful ways. And I am Brian. I work at Amazon as a developer advocate, and I love all shiny new technologies. And one of my strengths is being able to find really cool new tools to use, finding all the alpha bits out there and testing them so you can see what's new on the horizon. All right. So I'm almost too scared to ask you, Brian, because you have been putting the alpha in alpha bits. But what are you talking about and demoing for this week? <laughs> so this is a little bit less alpha than my typical alpha. Uh, this is a project called Aqua that is a versioned binary installer that works cross-platform. Uh, I checked it out a year ago when it had first come out, and it just didn't have a lot of recipes. So think of Aqua as like homebrew with version pinning. Uh, except it doesn't do libraries. It only does binaries. So you're looking to install NeoVim or Fuzzy Binder or RipGrab or something like that. You can do that with Aqua. Uh, what differentiates it is that it has both a global configuration. Oh, first of all, it's declarative. That's a big deal. So you, you're declaring versions at each level. So they've got a global configuration that you can use and then a per project configuration. So if you are in a particular project and you need a version of say like Hugo that's old, you know, Hugo version 0.58, you can do that with Aqua. And then when you're in that directory, it will use the older version of Hugo. So if you go to a different one, you can configure a different version. So it's, I mean, it's kind of a mashup of, you know, your typical version managers like uh, NVM or ASDF, but it's declarative and, and you can have multiple declarations at depth so it will traverse your file tree and look for decorations if you're deep into a nested folder and it will stack them up i'm not going to demo all of those things because i i just found it and just uh just started playing but it is pretty slick so this is a, a tool that i'm in a directory say you know i'm working on a project that requires node 18 it requires Rust compiler it requires Postgres binaries, wherever. I just write these into some config and some file. And when I CD into the directory, they become available. Is that the gist of it? Correct. And it also um, has a neat lazy initialization feature where it doesn't necessarily have to install them until you need them. So almost like the, the Ruby method missing, if you've ever done any serious Ruby, you can add it to your configuration, like the add the GitHub CLI to your configuration, but it won't actually install it till you call for it. Okay, nice. Because, you know, I love tools like this because I'm always trying to make sure the projects that I, when I do that get clone, right? Everything you need to just magically show up regardless. And, you know, Next Shell seems to be a pretty popular way of doing this, but there's two challenges there. One, you have to learn Next, which... It's a, it's, I don't want to say anything bad about it because it's amazing, but the language is really difficult to understand and wrap your head around. Um, I struggle with it every time I use it. And two is it doesn't do the lazy loading. So when you run Next Shell, I've got some projects that take like 10 minutes while they're fetching. Exactly. And of course, it doesn't watch, yeah. right? But it's still a long time in a fresh project when you clone it and stuff. So Yeah, and there are ways to, to get around that in Next, but uh, you, know, you can use caching and things like that. But it's still... Uh, almost impenetrable from a 
mixed language perspective, which is why I built Fleek. Uh, one of these days I'll demo Fleek because Fleek's pretty awesome too. And it serves roughly this purpose, except uh, it, it's um, it's a lot heavier in terms of the cost of bandwidth and waiting times. So how do we configure this tool then? What's, uh, what's the inputs? So it, it, it's almost all configuration file driven. There's a YAML file that you drop into each property or project and you can uh, initialize that by typing aqua init and it'll create a YAML file and that YAML file has a reference to the registry. So a registry is a list of packages at a given time and then it will also have an array of the tools and their versions that you need for that project. But the nice thing about it is you don't have to know where to find your applications because it's got a nice fuzzy finder based terminal UI where you can, you just type aqua G and it will search packages. You can just type like FZF and it'll show you the package. And then if you hit enter, it will output the correct line to add to your aqua config. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Always trying to make my projects a bit easier to onboard. Uh, and I experiment with a lot of tools. Uh, so I think this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. I guess my turn, right? Yep. So I find a little bit more alpha, but it's probably still not as alpha as your initial ones. But I'm going to talk about and demo Dagger today. Um, oh, nice. I'm assuming you're familiar because I talk about Dagger a fair bit, and I'm sure you're, you've seen it already. Um, but it is definitely early stage project. It's in 0.8. Uh, the APIs are deprecated on an almost bi-weekly to monthly basis as they are still evolving the design. And you know, in fact, the demo that I'm doing today, I actually wrote two weeks ago, and it didn't work this morning when I went to test it before jumping onto the stream because they deprecated one of the APIs again. So it's like, oh wow. But, but they, you know, they, they're doing this with the idea that you get a very ergonomic and just nice API to define a build. So let me cover what Dagger is. It's a continuous integration and delivery tool. It's different from all the rest in that you define your pipelines as code. Um, the way that it works is the Dagger engine is a GraphQL server that can take a set of instructions, which are nested GraphQL queries, and they generate SDKs for Go, for Python, for uh, JavaScript and TypeScript, um, there's probably more, and there's some community ones which are really exciting. Like there's an Elixir one which I haven't played with yet, but I'm really tempted to. And there's a Rust community one as well, which I really want to kind of kick the tires on a little bit too. Why I picked this tool is just because I always think mono repositories are the way forward. And um, now the Rockwood Academy is entirely mono repository. My Rockwood Rockwood is the only repository I store my own stuff in now. And your build tool and really needs to evolve in a modern repository, you, you, you can't really use GitHub Actions anymore because they all live in the top of your Git repository and you don't want a directory with a thousand different build definitions. I want my the pipeline to live right next to the code that it's building. Um, and we get that approach. Of course, there are like Bazel, Pants, and Buck and all these other tools. They're DSL-based. They work with modern repositories. But this as-code approach really worked well for me. Um, it resonates well with me too. So the demo I'll be doing on the video version of this is with the Go SDK, which I'm hoping you will enjoy. If it's Go, I, I typically like it. <laughs> have you played with Dagger much? I have not. I've looked at the documentation. I remember early on, they were a, a big proponent of Q, but I think I remember reading that they kind of slowed their role with Q. So looking forward to seeing how it's evolved. Yes, I think they still plan to provide a Q SDK, 
But I think for the 0.1 and 0.2, fact of fact, it was just 0.1. 0.2 was a rewrite for the multi-language stuff. And for 0.1, people struggled with Q and understanding Q and how they would work with Dagger as Q. So that's why they decided to try and support just general purpose programming languages. And I wasn't skeptical at first, but I've seen this before with, with Pulumi, trying to support many languages to do the same thing. And I know that the upkeep, the maintenance of it, gets very challenging, but I think Dagger have had it right by having GraphQL as a substrate and then the SDKs just interact with that API. So they're actually not needing to build any specific stuff for each language, really. And so far, it's working pretty well. I'm really impressed with what they put together. Yeah, now I'm intrigued. So they're, they're using GraphQL as kind of the, the translation layer. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So the way that it works is they have a Dagger engine, which runs on a container on your host. That Dagger engine is a front end to the build kit API. And the GraphQL is the way that you pass the instructions. So you can say, like, I want a container with these tools and execute this command. And it's just a, a series of nasty GraphQL documents that are all asking for different outputs on it. Like, if you want to run a command, it's an exec uh, query. And then you can just say, I want the standard error standard out and exit code from that container. Um, and it works really well. The like I said, though, it, it's evolving really fast. Like, if you were considering putting this into production, I'd say definitely don't do it yet because your pipelines aren't guaranteed to run from one week to the next. But I think you can start to experiment with it now and hope that that maturity and evolution of the project slows down a little bit as they get more adopters. Hmm. Okay. I'm intrigued. Okay, so that's enough of the talkie-talkie and probably about time for us to move on to the hands-on demo portion of the show. If you want to see the demo, then head over to alphabets.tv to see the video now. Until next week, have a great day.